0: the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where I take calls from leaders like you about what it takes to win at any stage of business and leadership. I'm Dave Ramsey. I've been actually running a freaking company for the last 30 years, and I've been running it all day today. <laughs> so if you want theory from a front finance professor who's never made payroll, you'll have to go somewhere else. I'm a guy who actually does it. I'm just like you. I've just been doing it a little longer than some of you, and I got a few more bruises than some of you. So, we're here to help you. This is all based on the book that we did. That's the playbook of how we've grown Ramsey. It's called Entree Leadership, a number one best selling book. Continues to be a big seller. And um, basically, it's how we've run our business. And uh, a, a lot of scrapes and bruises, and a lot of PhD and DUMB. Got a lot of degrees after us here. So, we're here to help you. If you want to call in, this is your place. We're one of you. We love small business people. We think you're amazing. We think you're heroes. We're one of you. The number is 844-944-1070. That's 844-944-1070. Or go to entreleadership.com slash ask and leave a nice voicemail. The guys will set you up as a caller that way. Jared did that. He's in Poughkeepsie, New York. Hey, Jared, what's up? Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me on the show today. Sure, man. How can we help?
1: So I'm a second generation of a manufacturing business. Um, we've got a top line of about 12 million about 70 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in the business for the last 10 years or so, and after losing my father last year, who founded the company, I'm now at the helm of the business. Uh, I've been working to improve the culture of the business, and I feel like some of our team members who've been with us for a long time are not pulling their weight in terms of work ethic and the culture that I want to build moving forward.
0: How old are you? At what point do I?
1: 27. Wow. At what point do I make the hard decisions? You've been through a (laughs) wild
0: year. You must've been scared to death part of this year.
1: Yep. Uh, We're doing it. (laughs) Um, So my question is, at what point do I make the hard decisions to change some staff despite their longevity? Mm.
0: Well, um, the good news is, is that your dad mentored you. Well, I can hear it in your voice that this is a painful thing. (laughs) Yeah. Am I right? You are. Yeah. Because if you were just a punk kid that got daddy's business, you wouldn't be worried about how you feel about this. You would have just executed someone. Right. And so that means you're a good man and you're a good leader and you're a kind guy but you're also strong enough uh, young leader to say, I might have to make some changes even though it hurts. So just, just verifying where you are. I'm hearing that already listening to you and the way you put the story together. So congratulations. Um, there's nothing you're going to do here that's going to be easy or clean or that everybody's going to go along with or understand. You're going to be the only one on the planet that has all the information and can make the accurate judgment about your decision. Other people are going to make judgments about your decision and their opinion doesn't count. So be ready for that.
1: Yeah, the only thing I would concern me is rocking the boat too much to where I just, you know.
0: Well, it doesn't rock the the boat too much if you observe that someone isn't working hard and you confront them about working hard and saying, my dad loved you, he taught me to love you, and I love you, but you can't stay here if you're not going to work hard. And I'm developing a new culture here where we're going to be a little harsher, a little, not a harsher, harsher is not the right word. We're going to demand uh, excellence of each other, myself included, and that includes a work ethic. And so if you want to be part of this team going forward, your work ethic's going to improve and your attitude's going to improve. If you don't want to be a we, that's who we are. We can work that out right now, and I'll help you gracefully retire.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you pretty much hit the nail on the head.
0: That's the conversation, and that's exactly yep. how you say it. And it's, um, you know, I honor you. My dad honored you. This makes this conversation hard, but it's still necessary because you're setting a standard that no one else, that I don't want everybody else to do here. And uh, that's, that's what I need. You know, I can't do that. Even though I love you, I can't do that. I can't let you, I can't sanction this because it sends a signal to everyone else that you are in a separate class of people somehow, and you're not, and I'm not. I have to do work too, and you have to do your work, you know? And so, uh, but you may not want to work for me. You may, you may, you know, your time here may be done because you don't want to work for the kid, and I can accept that too. You can just say that these are things you should say is what I'm saying, all right? So, so my son is a little bit older than you. He became the president of Ramsey last year. He and I are running this together right now. But um, that's the type of conversations he would have to have as well. Um, and, and what's interesting is he sees things here that I don't see. My eyes are a little bit blinded by my loyalty to somebody who's been with me 20 years. Right. But he's not as blinded by that and that's where that's the seat you're sitting in and it doesn't make you wrong. And it doesn't make your dad soft. It just makes him loyal to the guys that he wants to dance with the girl that brought him to the party. He didn't want to just chop people's heads off. Right. And I, and you don't either, but you're seeing no, this, you're seeing this with clearer eyes than your dad did.
1: Yeah. you took off the rose colored glasses and things are a little
0: different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you just don't have the, you know, you don't have the 20 years with this guy. That you're talking yeah. about, he did, your dad did, and, and it, it just mm-hmm. makes it it makes it even harder. It's hard for you, but for your dad, if he were here, it'd be triple hard for him.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. For me, it's about building a a place of teamwork where yeah. everyone. Well, wants for me to too, or thing. for your
0: your dad would say the same thing. But it's it's just man, the our uh, loyalty bone in small business is our greatest asset and our greatest liability. And so, um, (laughs) yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to be loyal to people because corporate America just pisses on them, you know, and we don't Mm -hmm. do that. We, we hurt when we talk about this kind of stuff, your heart's hurting, my heart's hurting talking with you about it because I know how it feels. (laughs) I've been there myself. Um, I've been there this year making these kinds of decisions and, and walking with my son doing it. So I can't imagine, you know, you, you standing there at 27 doing this. So I think you're a stud. I think you're going to do it right but um, uh, Alan Maloloy that ran Ford spoke to us in Entree Leadership a couple of years ago, and I picked this up from him. It's, it's the quintessential thing. He just said, all the regional managers at Ford are going to be in a meeting on Tuesday. And a guy called up that was regional manager and said, you know, Alan, I can't make it. I got this and this and this going on. And he said, oh, that's okay, but all the regional managers at Ford are going to be at a meeting on Tuesday. And the guy goes, well, I can't do it. And he goes, I know, it's fine. But you need to know that all the regional managers, (laughs) meaning that you're not going to be one anymore if you're not here. You know, Because I just told you what the regional managers are going to do. If you want to be a regional manager, you're going to be here Tuesday. That's what he was saying. And, And if you want to be on this team, we're going to strive for excellence and have a work ethic. And I don't know if you want to do that or not with dad's passing and me coming in, you may not want to be in this transition that we do where we turn up the heat about three notches on each other. I'm going to work super hard and I'm going to need everybody else in here to do that. And as one of the guys who's been here the longest, you got to help me set the tone and you may not want to do that. If you don't want to do that, let me help you figure out a way. I'm going to bless you with some money and an announcement of your retirement and honor you as being one of the people who helped form this company and build it to this point. And I'm going to say wonderful things about you, and you're going to leave. Yeah, that's to the point, huh? (laughs) And, 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 you know, he may not want to, but he might go, you know what? I have been screwing around, and I'm a better man than that. And I'm going to quit screwing around, and I'm going to step in here, Jared, and I'm going to help you because I loved your dad, and I love this place, and I'm going to do it. And I'm gonna step up. Yeah. He might step up. You might. He might. His honor might stick out. You know. But um, sure. but if it doesn't, you're doing the right thing. And one year later, not a soul on the planet will remember this transaction except you and the guy. No one on your team will remember it. Your mom won't remember it. His mom won't remember it if she's alive. You know, and so on. Right? I mean, nope. The the What I always think of these things with more drama inside of my head, like it's going to have this lasting effect or something. It's like, it's amazing when you're gone, nobody notices. It's just, it's kind of sad, but, um, (laughs) we just go on to the next thing, you know? And and you don't tell that guy that, but I mean, in your mind, don't let the drama get too big because a year from now, it'll be a distant, distant memory. Be kind, be firm. Uh, on severance, I'm always overly generous for someone like this. And let me tell you why. It has nothing to do with the guy. It's selfish on my part because when I'm 82 or 92 laying on my deathbed, I don't want to think I should have been more generous. I always want to be overly generous, and then I don't have to worry about it. And so our severance over the years has kind of been dumb at times. It's been too much. <laughs> But it's all just so I don't have to think about it again. Because it's not about what you pay this guy. It's about he needs to freaking do his work. Yeah, absolutely. The implications are not the dollars you give him. You give him an extra few thousand dollars more than he probably should have gotten in severance. You're going to make that back in a month with increased productivity because everybody else is going to go, Dad gum, Jared's letting people go that don't work. right cuz you're sending a message to the whole team cuz they know why he left when he leaves cuz they know he doesn't work. Mhm. They just wonder if you see it. That's the team. Yeah. Does that help you?
1: Yeah, it does. It's uh it's I guess it's a tough reality you have to face
0: and um I'm proud of you for the, facing for it and your dad's of proud of you. Yeah, thanks. Hey, thanks for calling in, man. You're the kind of people run the kind of businesses that cause America to work. Well done, brother. Work literally and work metaphorically. Very, very well done. Good stuff. This is how it's done, boys and girls. This is how small business works. That guy right there, 27 years old, taking for, over for his dad, passing away a year ago. Wow. 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 This is the Entree Leadership Podcast.
2: Just because you don't mind booking your own travel or juggling your own calendar doesn't mean you should. Delegating tasks like that gets you off the treadmill to tackle the big picture things that only you can, like setting vision for your team. Look, as a leader, you can either limit your time or liberate it. And that's why Belay exists. Belay has expert talent like virtual assistants, accounting professionals, and social media managers who can handle the operational work so you can focus on growing your business. Plus, if you need an assistant, Belay will pick the right one for you, and they're really good at it. They learn about your systems and software, and they analyze soft skills and personality. In fact, Belay's vetting process has a 95% success rate matching assistants with more than 10,000 happy clients. So let go with help from Belay. And if you're not sure how an assistant can help you, check out Belay's free resource called The Top 25 Things You Can Delegate to an Assistant. Just text Entree to 55123. This PDF will help you imagine what the year could look like when those time-consuming tasks are off your plate. That's E-N-T-R-E to 55123.
0: When I start doing what is now called the Ramsey Show about 30 years ago, people were deeply in debt with credit cards. Well, guess what? 30 years later, people are still deeply in debt with credit cards. Turns out people can't seem to live on what they make. They can't act their wage. Some things never change. Same thing's true about leadership. When I started running Ramsey 30 years ago, started growing it from a card table in my living room, there was all these leadership reports out that people were dissatisfied with their leaders in corporate America. Well, they've always been dissatisfied with the leaders in corporate America because there's always a set of twerps running around out there doing it, right? And there's always some good people. In corporate America, even though I pick on them all the time, but a bunch of good people running businesses all over America that do a good job with leadership. They're strong leaders, they're kind leaders, they're servant leaders, they care about their team. They're always out there. But there's always, you know, enough people that don't lead well or don't lead at all that you have negative surveys coming in on the the state of leadership in America today. So Gallup.com, six worrying workplace numbers. Some things never change. And what you can do about them. Are the latest changes in the world of work keeping you up at night? From faltering trust in managers to the potentials of robots replacing jobs, employees and organizations alike may be concerned about what the future holds for the workplace. Here are some of the most concerning insights Gallup has discovered this year. Well, let's go through them. Number one, 23% of only 23% of us employees strongly agree that they trust the leadership of their organization. Well, what we say around Ramsey is is that we move at the speed of trust. And there's only two, two possible reasons why a team member would not trust the leadership. Number 1, the leadership is not trustworthy. They're inconsistent, they're horrible communicators, they're not worthy of trust, they're not predictable in their environment. If you want to trust that the chair is not going to break and throw you in the floor, then you check it, and if the legs are steady, you sit down on the chair, it doesn't collapse, you don't land in the floor. You trusted the integrity of the chair because you checked it. It was trustworthy. That's a leader. It has to be predictable environment. When I sit on the chair, it needs to sit. It doesn't need to go on the floor. It needs to be predictable. Integrity is predictable. Lack of integrity is sadly predictable, but it's really not because you don't know where they're going to go. But if you know if I do X, always Y is going to happen, positive or negative. But if I do X, 100% of the time, leadership around here does Y. As soon as we, if someone does that, they're gone. If someone does that, they get promoted. You know, that's a predictable environment. That's integrity. Then the leadership is trustworthy. The other possible reason that an employee says they don't trust the leadership of the organization is they're arrogant, immature. They were born on third base and thought they hit a triple just came out of college and have the answer to everything and you don't know spit. And so because someone's not going around with your arrogant, but little 24 year old idea, then they're not trustworthy. Well, you're the idiot, not the leadership. And so sometimes it's not leadership's fault, right? Sometimes it's the little arrogant, immature idiot, right? And, and that that's leadership's fault because they hired that person. But anyway, worse than that they kept them but but that's you know but but what these polls always indicate is that that leaders are horrible well most of the time leaders are medium they they, they're they they do not have courage they don't communicate well and they don't create predictable integrity patterns values and then they don't trust the leadership and that's where leaders fall down. But it isn't like the leader's a crook. Now, I mean, you get trolled or whatever, and I always tell the young people, listen, everybody that disagrees with you is not a narcissist. They just told you you're wrong, that's all. And you might be wrong. So you need to shut up and think about that. But, the, uh, I mean, so that's the trust issue with leadership. Leadership, leaders, if your team is not trusting you, it's probably because you're not telling them enough information, you're not giving them enough communication, and you're probably not consistent enough in the, in the requirements of excellence through the organization. Number two, only 23% of employees strongly agree that they get the right amount of recognition for the work they do. The human need for affirmation is insatiable. There are two things that never get enough, a bulldog needing to eat and a human being needing affirmation. I used to have a pug that would eat until it would die. The only way it would not—the only way it quit eating—is we picked up the food, or it died. There was no stopping it. And we're the same way with our need for affirmation. No one gets enough boys. I'm Dave freaking Ramsey. When I walk around out there in public, one of two things happens. If someone knows who I am. They run up and they say, thank you for changing my life, or they say, you're a complete idiot. I hate everything you do. I trash YouTube all the time because I hate you. One of two things happens, and most of the time that doesn't happen because most people don't have that kind of courage. They tend to do that in the comments instead of in person, right? But anyway, but the—I mean—that's I mean, that's the two reactions to me. But my point is I get a lot of affirmation, and even me, I could use some more. Everybody could use some more. So you can always, as leaders, the lesson from this one is you can always give more recognition. You can always say, that a boy, that a girl, way to go. You're awesome. You can never say it too much. For God's sakes, walk around the building and try to catch somebody doing something right instead of catching everybody doing something wrong. It's a, it, but it's, we have to, as leaders... We have to actually almost like put it on our calendar. Okay, I'm going to get up from my desk at 11.15 and walk out of my office and find somebody doing something right. Because we don't naturally do it. We naturally gravitate towards fixing broken stuff instead of finding people doing something right and going, you are amazing. You're a stud. Stud at, get it done. Way to go. I'm so proud of you. More than half of employees, 53% say they don't feel prepared to work with AI, well crap, where's the other 47%? None of us are prepared to work with AI. That should be 100%. Who if you think you're prepared to work with AI, you are AI. Oh my god, there's no possible way. We don't know this thing scares the crap out of everybody. It's going to be the there's going to be awesome opportunities with it and there's going to be so much piracy and theft it's going to be unbelievable. We're going to have Abraham Lincoln on the internet before we know it. 51% of currently employed, employed employed workers around the world say they are watching for or actively seeking a new job. Well, um, we certainly have folks leave Ramsey from time to time. And um, we try to do that with class when they do it with class and wish them the best because we love them and we want what's good for them. And if they get an opportunity to make a lot more money or have do something that they love more than they love here, then, you know, I, we try to help you do that. Um, but if you're going to spend all your time while you're at work looking for another job, yeah, you probably ought to just go. You know, so it doesn't take that long to find a job in this economy. And so if 51% are looking for a job, that means some of them aren't looking real hard. They're just bitching moaning, you know, they're not really, I mean, it's just like, "Ah, well, go, just go do it then. I mean, why are you talking about it? Go do it. You know, that's the thing. So our our guys, I tell our guys all the time, listen, when your spirit leaves the building, for God's sakes, take your body with it. That's the thing. I mean, we don't even, I don't work out two week notices hardly. We work out a couple days of them sometimes to get some stuff transferred, but you know, We, it's nice. It's classy for a team member to turn in a two week notice, but you know what they do the last week of the two week notice, nothing. So it's, it's, you know, other than talk about all the reasons they're leaving, which is kind of dumb, leaving the poison apple on the barrel. So let's get them on out of here. So we just help you move. It's good, good, good. Just move on your way, move on your way. When your spirit leaves, take your body with it. Only two in 10 employees, 20% feel connected to their organization's culture. Well, um, most of that is leadership. That is a leadership breakdown. And uh, you have to spend a certain amount of time in leadership building culture and communicating culture and encouraging culture. If you don't, you'll have a negative culture. Everybody has a culture. It's just whether it's negative or positive. The last one by Gallup, only 4 in 10 employees, only 40% report unethical behavior at work if they have firsthand knowledge of it. Well, there would be two reasons that you wouldn't report unethical behavior. One is, as you think it's condoned, and reporting it is useless and might actually get you in trouble. They might give you an eye roll and go, oh, don't worry about it. You know, um, that if you think they're going to do nothing about it because you think it's condoned, then you wouldn't report it. Or the second reason is, is that you don't care enough about the organization, the good of the organization to make sure that unethical behavior is removed. So like one of the examples around here at Ramsey is uh, unethical behavior would be when a man uh, speaks to a lady or treats a lady in a way that makes her feel uncomfortable. We don't tolerate that here. We don't do creepers. I'll fire your butt if you're a creeper. Okay, um, and so, you know, I, my daughters work here. We're not going to have sexual harassment. We might have a murder, but we're not going to have sexual harassment, all right? We don't do creepers. And so the ladies here, if they identify that someone's doing that, I have to have an environment where they know we're going to act on them bringing that kind of behavior forward. And over 30 years, we've had it come up a few times. Nothing super serious, but, you know, just people that don't seem to like they were raised by wolves and they don't know how to be a gentleman. You know, I don't know. Uh, they think it's appropriate to tell say something, and, you know, no, you don't say You don't keep your hands to yourself, you goob. And so, um, but anyway, yeah, so, so you have to sit down and talk to some of these guys and go, look, you know, we don't do creepers, and so you're going to have to keep your eyes and your hands to yourself and certainly your mouth and your, your crude jokes or whatever it is you're doing. You're going to stop that stuff. So, But a lady has to feel a safe environment. And I'm not talking about the legal aspects of this. I'm talking about building culture of trust. I want to have a place at Ramsey. I don't care. The federal law, we're going to abide by federal law, but this is way beyond federal law standard. This is a standard of my daughter's work here. If your daughter works here, she needs to be known. She's going to be treated like a lady, and she's going to be – Uh, in a safe environment, because that's the moral, principled, correct, spiritual thing to do, not because it's the law. It also happens to be the law, but that's a side issue. So I've got to create that environment. Our leadership team has to create that environment, and our ladies then have to be told, and our guys have to be told over and over and over again, you need to love this place enough that if you see something going on that's wrong, that you need to bring it to somebody that can help us fix it but we can't fix it if we don't know it's there. So you have to raise your hand and go, uh, this is really awkward and uncomfortable, but I need to talk to you about this. This is bothering me. And you go, what? You're going to find out stuff at your organization is going on. You can't believe it. What? Really? That guy? I wouldn't have never thought. Oh, well. All right. Well, sit down with him. Sit down with him. He goes, oh, I didn't do that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You're full of crap. You know, I don't believe that. I believe it for a minute. And it's not because I believe her over you, it's just you're wrong. You know, there's that. So, you know, that th- you just got to sit you got to create the environment where you're going to act on the unethical behavior. And it's not whistleblower law. That's a bunch of crap as far as I'm concerned. It's not- I mean, we abide by the law. So we don't have to worry about all that. We're we're 92 degrees inside the law because we're more concerned about the people than some lawsuit. That's not the issue. What we're concerned about is are we going to treat the people right? And that that's way before you get to legal standard. So create an environment where people are where people want to create the workplace that they want to work in. And so if they see something that's wrong, they raise their hand because that's what they would do if they owned it. You have a self employed mentality. It's one of our core values here at Ramsey. Well, that's a pretty good little exercise to go through those. Those are standard things that come up. And the one that reminded me the most, I don't know what you guys got out of this, but I think I need to recognize people more and tell them when they're doing a good job. Will, you're doing a good job. Yeah. You're doing a good job, Will. Good job. Right there on the board right now. He just brought the music up right when he was supposed to. See how, that, see how that recognition thing works? It's powerful. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Money problems are the number one cause of stress for the American worker. That stress doesn't just stay at home. It's following your people into work and hurting your business in the form of turnover, missed work, and lost productivity. The fact is, your people can't give their all at work when their finances at home are a mess. So, you need a solution that actually works. You need my Employee Financial Wellness Program. It's called Smart Dollar, and employees all over America have achieved over $1 billion in debt paid and dollars saved using it. This stuff works. When you offer Smart Dollar as an employee benefit, your team will learn how to stick to a budget, pay off debt, save for emergencies, and build lasting wealth. To find out how you can provide true financial wellness to your employees, go to smartdollar.com smartdollar.com Hey this is fun If I ask you what your profits and losses were this week would you know? The hard truth is if you don't stay on top of your numbers your business is going to fail The Bible says be diligent to know the state of your flocks and herds You can't out-earn disorganization or the need to handle your finances wisely, but you can use simple practices and wise decision-making to have a successful growing business. You don't even have to become a money expert. In the Entree Leader's Guide to Business Finances, you'll learn the profit principles and the key practices that we've used to grow Ramsey Solutions over the last 30 years. It's free. That's a good financial guide right there. It's a free financial guide. Get it? See what I did there? This free guide will simplify the foundational components of managing your revenue expenses so you can build your business on some solid ground. A free Entree Leader's Guide to Business Finances. Go to EntreeLeadership.com slash finances and download, it's a PDF, this free guide. EntreeLeadership.com slash finances. Taya is in Yakima. Man, I got all those names right. What's up, Taya?
3: What's up, Dave? Thanks for having me.
0: I'm honored. How can we help?
3: Um, Well, we're in three years of business. We own a non-medical home care agency that serves our seniors and our veterans here in our area. And my question was, how can we set up our finances to create a marketing budget and build a sustainable business? Hmm. I've I've listened to some of your um, podcasts where you talk about how you should put certain percentages aside for different things. I I just want to make sure we're doing that where we're able to market and pay ourselves and, um, you know. um,
0: Well, there's a couple of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, If you're doing digital marketing uh, where you're buying keywords or you're buying paid SEO uh, that kind of stuff, then you can say you have a very clear um, instant rate of return on each one of those purchases. And so you spend $100 and you make X as a $100 plus X, right? And we call that a ROAS. Mm-hmm. And what you're looking for is the ROAS. It's the return on your spend is what it amounts to. If And, and so... Um, as long as you're, as, if you're putting out a hundred dollars, as long as you're making more than a hundred dollars, you can do that infinitely. Now we like to get, you know, a substantial, more than a one-to-one. We try to get a two-to-one ROAS where we can on those things. Very difficult to maintain that, The size, depending on the size of the campaign. But if you want to roll stuff out, you know, advertising that works is free. You follow me? It makes you more than it costs yeah. you. Yeah. And so if you're doing digital and you're getting a ROAS that's in positive, uh, you you know, you can do that mathematically in perpetuation. Now, what the problem with that is, is that you can become too dependent on one type of uh, marketing. Uh, For instance, if you're buying paid Facebook and you get really dependent on paid Facebook and then Facebook jacks it up, which happened last year, okay, they jacked everybody up Mm -hmm. after 2020, um, then, then you know, you're, all of a sudden, your cost of customer acquisition just doubled because you became too dependent on one. So you don't want to just because there's a rate of return go whole hog on one or the other. But as long as you've got a diversified uh, a whole series of different marketing initiatives, if each one of them are monetizing, then you know you don't have to limit it to a percentage. Because again, as long as you're getting the $100 back quickly that you put out, then you can, as long as you can cash flow it, th- then um, th- that's what you're looking for more than anything. Now, other types of advertising or marketing that are not as direct response as a digital ad where you've got a ROAS, I mean, if you put a Facebook ad or a Google Word buy or something like that, you're going to know in 24 hours if you're making, yeah. you, know, you know, if you know what a lead is worth. I mean, we know when someone goes, for instance, to our budgeting software. Entre- uh, every dollar, we know if a free user downloads every dollar. On average, we're going to make X number of dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. and as long as that lead cost us less than X, we're making money, right? But it might be sixty yeah. days or ninety days before that cash comes through uh, back to us. So you got to watch the cash flow on it. Now, the other types of advertising, yeah. like, for instance, when I talk about percentages, that's like if you're doing more of a broadcast by where you don't have as closely tied direct response. So if you're advertising, say, on radio or television or something like that, you're just putting an ad out there. It's not like in 20 minutes or 24 hours you're going to know that, you, that, that that ad was worth what you spent, right? Mm -hmm. But if you do that over a series of years, then you know, well, if we spend 6% of our advertising on radio, we keep that allocated. As long as we're doing that and we're doing it in talk radio, we're going to be fine because we do get a return over a period of 12 months that's more than adequate to suggest that that is a good ad buy. That's where you use percentages in your budget. But we don't use those in Ramsey as much today because we do more digital uh, buys Uh, with our marketing stuff than we do anything else.
3: Okay. Well, I guess my, like, I was just wondering, since we are a new business and like, you know, the percentages that I was talking about was like, um, say we put in 10% and that's going to be every time we get our income, we'll put 10% towards uh, marketing. So we'll have a marketing budget. Well, what that does
0: when you're small is it keeps you from putting too much in marketing. And it makes you be careful with what you're doing in marketing. Because if you only got 10%, you got to be careful with it and make sure it's working. But yeah. Sometimes if you so don't put how a... kind
3: of trying to structure that out.
0: Yeah. If you don't put a, 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 a stop on the thing where at 10% we stop, then you could look up and you spent 40% and you've blown your margins on your marketing budget. Mm-hmm. So you have to... The budget gives you a, a constraint that says, I can't go past this. And when you're limited, you know, so I only got, you know, $10,000 or only got 10%, whatever that represents. Right. And so I've got to make that pay. And so it makes you very careful. Those are precious dollars rather than sloppy, throw it at the wall and see if it sticks dollars. And that, that's what the, you know, the budget gives you that, that sense of, uh, um, uh, constrained resources, limited resources. Limited resources of any kind always increase creativity. People are never creative when they're fat, sloppy, and there's enough of everything. They're creative when there's not enough. And you have to make it work with bailing wire and fish hooks. You know, that's when you get scrappy. And you create a false sense of uh, limited resources by creating a budget item. And it's it's a faux. It's not false. It's a real limit because you created it, but you know, you, you force yourself to be judicial with every one of those dollars. That's what we're facing. Good question. I like that. That's a good discussion. Sounds like you're running a wonderful business. Congratulations. Thanks for calling in. Love it. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Do you have an action plan to unlock the next stage for your business? It's up to you, the business owner, to gain the leadership skills and build the scalable processes that will cause your business to grow. But I've seen too many leaders give up or burn out simply because they didn't have a plan. The good news is you don't have to come up with that plan on your own. We can show you exactly what you need to do. Go to entreleadership.com slash to take our free stages of business assessment and get the action plan you need to unlock the next stage for your business. Thanks for listening to the Entre Leadership Podcast. I could use your help. You want to help us? Thanks. Subscribe. Push the little subscribe button thingy. Push the little follow button thingy. Share the link with a friend. Tell them you're listening to this podcast. Tell them to tune in. If it's helpful to you, maybe it'll be helpful to them. You're our only marketing plan, so thank you. And if you're failing, then we're going to fail. So you have to help us spread the word, boys and girls. And leave a five-star review. Those one-star reviews just make you look like an immature troll. So leave us in something nice to say and help us out. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. Ah, Aaron is with us, Bloomington, Illinois. What's up, Aaron?
4: Hey, Dave. How you doing? Better than
0: I deserve. How can I help?
4: Well, real excited about this. Thanks for taking some time for me. I work with a solar company and we have just been on a growth trajectory ever since I've been a part of the company for the last five, six, going on six years.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: And we're now getting to about 80, 90 people. We're at about 20 to $25 million a year. So, and again, I was the first employee. I remember when it was nothing like that.
0: That's fun. So how many, how many years ago was it? 10 people.
4: Um, ten. We would have been probably by the end of the second year, so maybe like four years ago.
0: Oh, wow, that's a pretty heavy curve. Okay, so there's more of yeah. them than you.
4: Oh yeah. So quickly, yeah, yeah, quickly. Like we had a quarterly meeting today, and I just I'm kind of sh- awed by yeah. all the people in the room now.
0: Yeah, you're the old guy.
4: It, yeah, 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 and that's that's kind of how it feels some days, and it's really not been that long, but yeah, so we're we're, we're playing in a bigger boy league and kind of feeling our way through it. And what's happened is I've gone from being employee number one. Now I manage the sales department. That was kind of the side of the company I've always stayed on. And just, I, I, maybe it's new to me. Maybe it's just new to our level of things. You know, we've really tried to push on, we need to have core values and we've got some written down. We've, we, those are crystallized on kind of an executive level. And what I'm just thinking is, man, there's people, it feels like constantly coming in the door To jump in and some of them are seasonal, but on my side, they're not. Uh, They're all salespeople and and the administrators accordingly that just make the ship run on my corner of things. And I just, what have you guys found in your growth on maintaining some of the cultural pieces that these are are non-negotiables while you've just got, again, just things and work kind of coming in the door? And that can kind of overwhelm sometimes the cultural values because after a while, it's like, you just got to get stuff
0: done. Yeah. If you don't, you're very wise because if you don't start looking at it the way you're looking at it right now, um, you're probably a little bit late actually to do it, but you're very wise to recognize this need because, um, what happens is you have this neat culture and everything's purring along. Everybody trusts each other. There's a family feeling with 20 people and then you add 30 more. There's more of them than you. That's what I was talking about. And all of a sudden they Are dictating culture instead of Mm. you dictating culture, and so uh, all the new people are bringing the culture in rather than than accepting the old people, uh, becoming acclimated to the old. Right. So what you've got to do is get around in front of it, which is what you're describing. And what can we do proactively to maintain or reinsert? In your case, you may have lost some of it. Reinsert the values and the culture that got us here. Okay. So it's, number one, the leadership team needs to huddle up and be in agreement on this. We need alignment with the leadership team. And then we need to implement, um, you know, culture uh, uh, mandates, so to speak. Now that that starts with the hire. We're not going to hire people who do not want to engage and align themselves with our values. In the interview process, these are our, at Ramsey, we have 14 values or the principles are who we are. And if you do not want to align with those, you don't want to be here because you won't be here. We're going to move, we'll move you out if you don't quit. Right. This is who we are. And if you're going to be a we, that's in the interview. And then it's again on the onboarding. We onboarded eight people on Monday here just a couple days ago. All right. And uh, all eight of them in the two-day onboarding they're going through, one of the things they're going through is the core values so they know who we are. They don't get to bring their culture to us. We have a culture, and they are joining it. This is a very, very clear distinction. And what happens is if you just hire people left and right – they just bring in their stuff if you don't demand they adhere adhere to yours. That make sense? Yeah, yeah. So let's get alignment on what's important here and who we are. And then in the hire, in the onboarding, and even in the discussion with some of the people you've hired in the last two years that didn't have the benefit of the new onboarding and hiring, uh, where you say, this is who we are. Do you want to be a we? You know, our culture is... We, you know, we have a level of customer service. You don't seem to care about the customer. You just want to make the sale. That's not okay. We do this. This is what we do. Do you want to be a we? And we talk like that around here every day at Ramsey, all day long. Hmm. And anytime we have to have a difficult conflict conversation with someone on a performance issue, it always has to do with that kind of a thing. It's a we thing, we don't do that here, or we do this here. And you need to align with what we do if you wanna be a we. And then you can create, what you've got is a uniform culture expectation that you're measuring against, just like you were measuring against a sales metric. You know, if, if 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 you say, okay, here's your key performance indicators on sales, you have to make this many cold calls, have this many actual contacts, you have to have an average order value of this size, You know the kind of thing I'm talking about. You're working through the rejection ratios. It's what you do as a sales leader right now. You show them how to do that. And then if they're making half that number of calls, you know they're going to fail. And it's because they're not aligning to the metric. And in this case, the metric is a soft skill called a value. And they need to align to the metric. And then the last piece of it is, I told our team this last night, at every 90 days, we have a – a, a final welcome to the people who have been here 90 days, because during the first 90 days, you're on probation, and we are on probation. And, and at the end of 90 days, uh, we have a little celebration that you've been here for 90 days, now you're part of the family, okay? We used to bring in raps from Chick-fil-A, and I would just sit and answer questions and talk to them. We called it Rap with Dave. Uh, nowadays it's a little more complicated than that. We do this thing, but we had a, about 50 people last night that were at their 90 days. And, uh, my son, the president and I both got up, talked to him, walked him through what it means to be Ramsey. Again, this is our values. Again, this is who we are. And I'll tell you how we ca- capped it off. That's what's it's fresh on my mind. And so it's a great question. Um, what we do now is I sit and explain to those 50 people, when we were a company of 50 people, people told me you will never be able to maintain the culture that you've got now when you get to hundred. And then when we got to hundred, we did. And they said, oh, well, you gotta do it at hundred, but you'll never be able to do it at 200. And then when we got to 200. It was even better. Now we're at a thousand. It's the best culture we've ever had. How is that possible? Well, we spend some money on it. We eat together. We talk together. We laugh together. We play together. We communicate a lot. We're very intentional about it, but you can do those two things and still have a screwed up culture if you allow everyone in the building to not function to the values. You've got to function and align your your behaviors and your belief system to those values. And if you don't want to adhere to that, you don't need to be in our building. So what I tell the team is, I have figured out the secret to having a world-class culture with a thousand people in one building. You want to hear it? Yeah. We're not the creator of culture. They are. Mm. And I tell those people sitting in front of me, a lot of them young people, of course, right now, if you go create the place that you want to work in, if you say, I'm going to be kind because I want to work in a place with kind people, I'm going to pray with my friend who's sick because I want to work in a place where it's okay to pray with my friend who's sick. I want to perform with a level of excellence and a desire to win because I want to be around a bunch of people who drive the ball and put it in the end zone and win the Super Bowl. I want to, you need to go be the kind of person that creates the place that you want to work in. And if you guys don't all create the culture that you want to work in, we're going to be one of those sucky corporate America companies. And then I'm just going to shut it down because I don't want to own one of those. I can't do it. I can't run around like a little bee pollinating culture for a thousand people all through this building. It's, It's logistically, physically impossible. If you don't create the place you want it to be, it won't be. And they got it. And then we hand them a little glass. We have a glass that's etched. It says culture creator. So every time you take a drink out of this glass, you remember your job is to create culture while you're here. Create the culture of the place you want to work in and deputize them as culture creators. Everyone in here, make this the kind of place you would want to work in. If you owned it, how would you want it to look? How would you want people treating each other? How would you want people, uh, you know, coming in late, leaving early? Uh, Would you want people working 90 hours? I don't. I want them going home being with their families. But I don't want them coming in late and leaving early and sitting on Facebook all day, unless their job is to sit on Facebook all day like social media people or something, right? But, I mean, you see what I'm saying? And so uh, you've got to go through and first get the values clear, then create some of the positive things, and then tell everybody make more of that. That was the formula I just gave you. Yeah, got it. Helpful? Yeah, immensely. Thanks. Hey, man, we appreciate you. You're amazing. I love the growth story on what you're doing. You guys are getting it done, man. The economy's bad. Not if you work with Aaron. (laughs) He's not whining. He's getting it done, man. Hey, remember, better a wary warrior than a quivering critic. This world needs more high-quality leaders, so take courage and lead. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Thanks for listening to the Entree Leadership Podcast.